Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. like to look with me in the Word of God to Isaiah chapter 28, Isaiah chapter 28. I want to read to you a very powerful verse of Scripture. Usually I read more than just one verse to give context to what it is that we're reading, but really this verse stands alone and can speak for itself. Therefore thus, verse 16, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure stone. He that believeth shall not make haste. I want to read that one more time and I want you to let the very powerful statements of this verse sink in. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure stone. Notice that last statement after all of this description about this stone that has been laid as a foundation stone, it says, He that believeth shall not make haste. And that's what I want to use as a subject tonight. He that believeth shall not make haste. He that believeth shall not make haste. Let's lift up our voices to Him and let's pray and invite His spirit to anoint and to move in this service. Jesus, we look to you once again. We're praying, God, to you to help us. We're praying, Lord, for your word to speak to our hearts. Pray that you would move and minister and let your will be done. We're thankful to you, God, for everything that you have done up until this point in this service. But I'm praying, God, that you would bring it all into culmination. God, through your anointing and power, we're thankful to you for it. In Jesus' name, thank you for standing. You may be seated. Now, a lot of times when we hear this particular verse of Scripture read or described and talked about, there's a lot of reference, and I will unpack some of that in this message perhaps tonight if the Lord allows. There's much attention given to the stone, but I want to focus on that last bit of this verse That last statement that is made. He that believeth shall not make haste. Maybe this is going to be a little different take on this passage or this verse. Maybe you've never considered it this way. And I kind of questioned in myself whether this was something that was fitting for tonight. But as the day progressed, I felt uh, it was necessary. And this was the word of the Lord that he would speak to us in this house this evening. 
But haste is a word that describes our modern world. People everywhere are hurrying. They may not even know what they're hurrying for. But everybody seems to be in haste. Life seems more urgent than it used to be even just a few years ago. Yet with all of our speed, with all of our swiftness and efficiency, it's not leading to better decisions. This haste is not leading to stronger spirituality. In fact, there is sufficient evidence that the contrary is true. I know people like to point to the same prophet in his words in Isaiah 40 and 31 that says, They shall run and not be weary. And say, see there, pastor, uh, that's someone that is making haste. That is someone that is in a hurry. Or uh, when the Lord turned to Judas and said the words, what thou doest, do quickly. Well, Judas would not be a good example of someone that we would want to follow. Knowing what was in Judas's heart, knowing that there was a decision that was to be made, the Lord in that passage was bringing him to that point of decision and saying, uh, Calvary is near. The time for you to make a decision is now. What you do, you need to do it quickly. And uh, we, we like to refer to this verse about running and not growing weary. But the first portion of that verse and the last portion of that verse gives context to the running. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings as eagles. And they shall run and not be weary. And then it says, they shall walk and not faint. Can I tell you the most consistent movement in your relationship with God is not running and it's not flying. And we all have moments that we feel that way. And we know that this is figuratively speaking. But most of the time... Just walking by faith is the movement that the Lord chooses on our journey. And that is what takes us from glory to glory and faith to faith as we walk with God and have faith to walk with God. He said the just shall live by faith and we know that we walk by faith and not by sight. And so faith is intertwined with this passage that I have chosen as a text tonight. And the reason why we want to hurry is because we become impatient with God's process. We become impatient with what God's plan is often for our life. But if we're not careful, we'll forfeit the plan of God interjecting our own will and trying to, to get ahead of God or second-guess God. And I'm going to give you some examples of that from the Scripture. But time that God gives us, we need to savor that time. We need to understand there's a reason for that season in our life and that time frame or time period, if you will, that God has given us. And, and I have noticed something uh, that, that sometimes people... Uh, they cannot enjoy where they are because they're always trying to get to the next stage of life. And when you get a little bit older, you'll realize, I should have savored that moment. I should have taken advantage of the time that God had placed me in. And because I was so frantic to get to the next 
place, the next stage, the next position, the next rung on the ladder in life, the next level of whatever it is that I was looking for. I did not enjoy the journey. I want to tell somebody tonight, there is joy in the journey in serving God. And when you get an understanding of this, even in times when things are not necessarily going as you would like them to or as fast as you would like them to, if you'll learn to savor those moments and understand that God is teaching me something in this moment, you begin to appreciate that. You'll look back and be able to praise God that while I was in the midst of that, God was bringing me to a place that I could enjoy and experience what I'm experiencing now. But if we try to get ahead of God, we try to get and circumvent the plan of God, we'll always, we'll always mess up that, that process and plan that God has to bring us into His promise and the perfect will of God for our lives. Now, I've heard a lot of people talk about the will of God. You know, they try to, they try to make excuses for it. It's like it's some kind of elusive thing that's difficult to find out. I'm going to tell you, first of all, the will of God is found in the Word of God. You don't have to look outside the, the Word of God to find the will of God for your life. Amen. And, and as you pray, God reveals things, and sometimes He reveals things to you that are right there in His Word that you never saw before and, and shows you that's what you need to be doing and that's what you need to submit to and obey and and uh, all of that. But, but sometimes, uh, you know, we try to, to, to make mishaps. We try to make excuses for them. And we say, well, you know, that was not the perfect will of God. But perhaps it was the permissive will of God. It just wasn't the perfect will of God. Well, that kind of leaves a loophole for you and I. But I don't know if that's really the ultimate plan of God. Do you feel like that God has to have multiple choices when it concerns our lives? Uh, I believe he has a perfect will for our lives. And if we'll submit to him and be led by him and submissive to his spirit, he will guide us. He will lead us into his perfect plan and perfect will. And everything that he has in store for us will be brought to fruition as we follow God in faith. And sometimes it's going to take exactly that. It's going to take faith, not understanding. You know, just like they sing tonight, even though I don't see it, he's working. Even though I don't feel it, he's working. And there's sometimes that it's faith that we have to rely upon and not our feelings. It's faith that we have to rely upon and not what somebody else says. It's faith that we have to rely upon and not what we're seeing in the moment. Because sometimes, to be frank with you, you can look at the moment that you're in and just take a snapshot of that. And it looks like your life has been turned upside down. But if you'll hold on and have faith in God and follow him... It'll come right side up in time because God has a plan for your life. Praise the Lord. And so you, you got to learn as the Apostle Paul admonished us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16, you got to learn to redeem the time. Time is a sacred thing. Time is a tool that God uses, amen, to prepare us for eternity. Because God doesn't live in time. He lives outside of time. Time is something He created for you and I. It's a tool that He uses to prepare us for eternity. 
That's why there's seasons when God moves in a certain way. That's why there's seasons when God deals with people in a certain way. That's why there's times when God convicts and moves upon people's hearts. And if they don't respond in that particular time, they miss out on what God has for them. That's why we must be sensitive to the time and the season that God has placed. Amen. And afforded us and say, God, don't let me miss this season. Whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. I want to be involved. In it. I want to see it come to pass in my life. I want to see it come to fruition in my, my own life. Praise the Lord. And so we got to redeem the time because the Bible says the days that we're living in are evil. Evil. But, but haste always impairs good judgment. Amen? How many has ever been in a hurry? You don't have to admit this, but you, you know it's true. Uh, in haste, you forget to do something that's very important. You know, maybe it's something that, that takes several stages to do, and you miss one of the stages. You, you ladies cooking, maybe you can identify with this through cooking. Uh, you, you, uh, you, you, you know, it's a recipe that you followed many times before, and you, you feel like you got it all in your head, and you can do it, and but you get in a hurry and you forget an important ingredient and then something's just awry when it comes out of the oven. Something's just not right. It doesn't look like it normally looks. It certainly doesn't taste like it normally tastes because somewhere along the way you missed one of the steps. You forgot something that was very crucial and important. You know, I uh, hooking up trailers and uh, all that kind of thing. There's a process that... You kind of had down pat in a routine, you know, and 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 there's a little lever on those fifth wheel trailers that if you don't if you don't let that lever release, and if it doesn't catch a hold of the gooseneck hitch on that trailer, guess what? It's not hooked up. It doesn't matter what it looks like, but when you pull out, it's not hooked up. And and uh, you know how I know that? You guessed it. And all of a sudden, somebody gets to talking to you, and you forget that one little simple step. And you know what? I've seen a lot of people up driving down the road that they forgot that step too because I see that little indenture that was familiar with my truck on the bed of theirs because they didn't let that little lever uh, come and secure the hitch, and boom, they pull right out from under it. And uh, drop it right down. And, 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 and then you, you get upset with yourself because you think, you know what? That was such a simple thing that I forgot. And I got in a hurry and haste impairs good judgment. And we could talk about a lot of things where haste impairs good judgment. It may seem it's speeding at the time to be a uh, person that speeds. You're, you're looking at a repeat offender right here. And, uh, you know, I just assume that every interstate in America uh, has the same speed limit. But, you know, they don't. And every state highway ought to have the same speed limit, but they don't. And, and you get out there on them and you got to watch in the fluctuation of the speed limit. And, and, you know, it seems like, man, I'm getting there so much faster. But, you know, all it takes is one blue light special to blow all of that. All it takes is one policeman to ruin your day. And you can seem like you're getting ahead, but now you're way behind and you're several 
$100 poorer as a result. Haste impairs good judgment. And we see this in the Word of God over and over again. All the way back to the book of Genesis. We understand that Cain, this was a man that he and his brother Abel had evidently watched and been taught by their father Abraham and mother Eve to worship, to worship and to give back to God a sacrifice. And they understood the ramifications of that. They understood the requirements of that. They understood that a blood sacrifice was the only thing that would be acceptable. But somewhere in the mind of Cain, haste. said, you know what? It's a lot of trouble uh, to go through all the rigors of finding an acceptable and a proper sacrifice. I wonder if God would not accept something a little inferior. I mean, after all, this is what I do for a living. I till the ground and I'm going to bring some of the fruits of my labor and and he tried to get them to pass as being the appropriate sacrifice to God and God did not accept it and the Bible said the result of that was is that he got angry come on get this this is the guy that was disobedient this is the guy that didn't follow the will of God this is the guy that tried to hasten the process this is the guy that said I got a better way and yet he gets angry because God stays true to his word Sounds like you and I, doesn't it, sometimes? Uh, amen. Put yourself in that position. We've been there ourselves. We think, uh, you know what? This seems like a good plan. This seems like God ought to accept this. This seems like God ought to be able to bless this. This seems like uh, a good thing to do. And yet when, when God stays true to his word, sometimes we get angry because God won't take an inferior sacrifice. I'm going to tell you, God has a plan, and we have to conform to that plan. God's not going to accept anything less. It doesn't matter how, 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 how much charm we've got. It doesn't matter what our last name is. It doesn't matter how long we've been in this thing. It doesn't matter any of that. I'm telling you, God has a plan, and we, if we're going to be blessed, have got to learn to follow the plan of God for our lives. Hallelujah. Praise God. And the Lord asked him the question. He said, why art thou wroth? Why are you upset? If you ought to be angry with anybody, it shouldn't be with me. You should be angry with yourself. You should blame yourself for this situation. You know that sin lies at the door. It's looking for an opportunity to get in. It's looking for an opportunity to take hold and take foothold in your life. And he said, he was angry. He was wroth about it. He was upset. And then when he came to Abel, the Bible says he rose up. It seems like in his anger, it seems like in his hostility, in his envy, whatever it was that he had as far as ought against his brother, this seems like in that emotional moment he responds in a way that is going to affect him the rest of his life. I'm going to tell you, you can make a decision in a hasty moment. You can make a decision at a critical period in time in your life that you have to live with from now on if you're not careful. You, you can make a decision that, that, yeah, God is a God of mercy. God is a God of forgiveness. God is able to help us to overcome it. But that doesn't mean that we don't have to live with the consequences. The Bible said God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. 
Somebody said, well, I thought when I did this that God would just make it all right and I wouldn't have to do this or that. I'm going to tell you there's a lot of people in prison that are saying that same thing. But I'm going to tell you what you sow, it's God's word you're going to reap. And you have to make up your mind. It's a whole lot easier for me to back up and say, God, help me not to make a hasty decision, but help me to have faith in your process that you're going to see me through to the promise that you have for me and the potential that you have given to me. You see this in the life of Abraham. This is where his faith was tested the most was when God gave him a promise that didn't look like it was physically able to be fulfilled. Not only for him, but his wife also well past the age of childbearing. And yet God gave them a promise. And, and so he started in time when it wasn't fulfilled immediately. He started in time to question whether or not this was what God really meant. Did he mean something different? He started to dissect what it was that God was saying and say, well, maybe, maybe God meant it this way. Maybe God wants me to do thus and so. Maybe God needs some help for me uh, to do this or that in order for this promise to be fulfilled in my life. I'm going to tell you, God doesn't need any help fulfilling his word. God doesn't need you or I to prop up his word. I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, let me explain that. Let me, let me tell you what I think it means. Let me just tell you what, you know, uh, when we're trying to explain to somebody the oneness of God or the new birth or, or trying to share somebody the gospel, we, we sometimes we try to make excuses. We try to over-explain. I'm going to tell you the word speaks for itself. Amen. In this book right here, you can't find anything else but Jesus' name baptism. In this book that I'm preaching, out of you can't find anything else but a one God message in this book I'm preaching out of you can't find anything else but a separated holy life as being blessed by God that's what the book says we just need to accept it for what it says it's not up to God to try to make it uh, compatible to you and I it's up to you and I to be obedient to the word of God oh clap your hands and let's give some praise to the Lord So in a hasty, impulsive decision, the Bible says that Abraham gets outside of the promise of God. And as a result, there's contention in the world today. You, you think, well, did, did Abraham get forgiveness? Did Abraham overcome this? Did, did Abraham, was he able to go on and please God? Well, sure he was. But we also understand that there's a lot of contention in this world today, brother against brother, as a result of this one decision. I'm going to preach to you, it'd be better for you to think it through. It'd be better for you to look in the Word of God and say, God, instruct me in your will. Show me your way. Help me to not get outside of it. I don't want to grieve your spirit. I want to do something that I'll later regret in my life. We could look at the life of Moses. Two times there I see in the life of Moses. This was the meekest man. But even the meekest man, as identified by the scripture, was able to be provoked. Amen. So, you know, everybody has a red line somewhere. Everybody has a place where humanity shows in their life. Even the, the greatest of this book that I'm preaching out of tonight, there is some, some areas that, you know, we don't, it isn't whitewashed, it's there, it's the fallacies, it's the, 
the handicaps of these individuals that are out there displayed raw for all of us to see. And it's so even with Moses as he saw his brethren being afflicted by a taskmaster that was ruling over them. The Bible said he rose up and slew him because of what he had witnessed and saw. And as a result, it came back to hunt him. And he went out into the wilderness and was there for 40 years. And then the Bible says that God called him back into Egypt and he led the people of God out. But even this man, after a little while of hearing their murmuring and complaining, and he was standing there, and they were all thirsty, and they were saying, why don't we go back to Egypt? And there were some that were angry with him for leading them out of Egypt in the first place. And the Lord said, if you just speak to this rock, I'll cause water to come out of it. But he was so angry, and he fell back to what he had done before, and that was that he struck the rock with the rod that God had placed in his hands. And yet water came out of it, but he still was disobedient obedient to the voice of God and God said because you have done this thing I'm not going to allow you to go in the promise amen because you have done this thing in the eyes of the people because they were able to witness this display of anger you're not going to be able to do things that I had in store for you you're, you've, you've in, in some way damaged your potential you're going to be able to overcome yes you're a great saint of God yes you're going to be able to make heaven but there is going to be some penalties that are going to have to be paid because of this Amen. I'm, I'm preaching the book here tonight. Just preaching the word of God. What about Gehazi in, in 2 Kings chapter number 5 and verse 26 when, when uh, Naaman came to be cleansed of leprosy and the miracle took place when he dipped in the Jordan and he offered gifts to uh, the prophet Elisha. He said, here, take these gifts. And, and uh, he wanted to give him uh, anything really he desired. He said, anything I have, you can have it. And he said, here it is. And he offered it to him. And, and Elisha refused those gifts. And Gehazi standing there dumbfounded. Why is he refusing these gifts, able to take and, and, and benefit? You know, uh, we could use some changes of garment. We could use uh, a little more money around here. We could use a few of these things. And so he ran after, he ran after Naaman. And he asked for himself. He said, if he don't want him, sure. Surely he wouldn't mind me having them. And when he came back, the prophet asked him a question. He said, is it time to receive money? Is it time to receive garments, uh, olive yards, vineyards, uh, and sheep, oxen, and uh, maidservants, and men servants? Uh, is it time for all that? If you just be patient, God is going to bless you, Gehazi. If you just walk with God and be faithful to God and be righteous uh, and live right, uh, God is going to bless you with the desire of your heart but you're trying to get ahead of God you're trying to get ahead of God's plan and God is not pleased with this I'm going to just tell you integrity is not something that is built in a day integrity is not something that just happens overnight but it takes a process of time you know it isn't just one Big Mac and a Large order of fries that creates a heart attack. Here's some Snickers in the room. Somebody like me likes Big Macs. Or somebody besides me likes Big Macs. But it's been a long time since I've eaten any. I used to get eat a Big Mac when I was 20, and it didn't affect me at all. But you know them jokers are catching up with me nowadays. And, you know... 
It isn't long until you'll be ordering fish fillets. Or nothing at McDonald's at all, probably better. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. If anybody here works at McDonald's, thank God you're working. But I'm just saying, I, I, I really kind of like McDonald's in a way if I'm going to eat fast food. But I know it's not very good for me. And uh, anyway, uh, you know, and, and one kale salad is not going to fix everything either. One order of low-fat dressing on your salad is not going to take care of those 25 hamburgers you ate over the last week. I wish it worked like that. I wish one good deed could wipe out 25 bad, bad deeds, right? But it don't work like that. Amen. I'm not, I'm not, on, I'm not preaching diets here. I'm not, that's, that's not my deal. You do whatever you want to do. I'm just making a point that one decision, one choice, one thing that a person does does not necessarily does not necessarily impact uh, or bring about the overall impact of, of continual decisions. You know, it, it's through continual living for God. It's through consistency. It's through, through being faithful day after day. It's through one decision right after another, that one step after another. We, we, we learn in our journey in living for God. We become a person of integrity. We become a, a stalwart and pillar saint in the church through, through being a person that every day makes the good decisions and every day endeavors to live for God. That means we're perfect? No, it doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means every day we're striving to be. We're pressing towards that mark that Paul talked about of the high calling of God. I'm going to tell you, there's a high calling that everybody ought to be stretching and reaching for. There's a high calling that everybody, we, we should not be satisfied with just the base. I hear a lot of people talk about just what I have to do and do I have to do that. I'm going to tell you, you ought to have something in you, a hunger down on the inside of you that says, I want that high call it. I want the blessings of God. I want the anointing of God. I'm reaching. Amen. I may not have gotten there yet, but I'm reaching for it. I want more of God. I'm hungry to receive more of God. But we can make impulsive decisions. We can make impulsive choices because certain aspects of our life are out of control. Simon Peter, Simon Peter was a man that felt like when the Lord was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the soldiers came for him, he felt as if he was doing the right thing when he drew his sword and sliced off the servant of the high priest's ear. When he sliced off Malchus's ear, he thought, man, I'm really showing my loyalty to the Lord. I'm really doing the right thing. But if he had thought it through, he would have understood what the Lord had been teaching him all along, that I'm going to be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. But don't you be worried about it because I'm coming out on the third day. He would have understood there has to be a death for him to be buried. He would have understood before he could ever be placed in a tomb, he has to suffer the death of a cross somewhere. And I know he's been talking about it, but he didn't realize the importance of the moment that he was in. And Jesus said, put up your sword. You're making a hasty decision. You're making a hasty choice. But if you had faith in me, you'd understand. I'm in control of everything. It doesn't matter. 
matter what they do. They can't do anything I don't allow them to do. And I just want to preach to you right now that devil cannot be allowed to do anything in your life that the Lord did not give him permission to do. That God doesn't back up and say, come on, amen, you can come in to a certain point and do certain things, but I just want you to know I'm in control. Amen. I pull the strings around here. I'm in authority. You have to ask permission, and you can only go so far with it. Come on, lift up your hands and your voices to the Lord. Let's give him praise right now. But it's through time that things are proven. Haste is the evidence of a lack of faith. Thank God for examples of people in the Word of God that held on to faith and believed God and made good choices in the meantime while they were waiting for the miracle to take place. In the book of Mark, I'll I'll go find Mark chapter number 4 and verse 26. I just want to read this to you. We often, again, we go back and we talk about the four different types of soil, but Jesus here, it says, and he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day. The seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. What is he saying there? He's saying he puts the seed in the ground and it doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in just a few moments. It doesn't even happen within that same day or that time frame that he showed it. But he has to go to bed, and he sleeps, and he rises, and he keeps watching, and he stays patient. He keeps the weeds out and the pestilence out, and he keeps watering because he knows what he put in the ground was good seed. He understands that I've sowed, and this is the process, and this is what God's plan. He said, seed time and harvest. He's the one that promised that. He's the one that set that in order. He's the one that set the seasons in the earth. He's the one that causes the rain to fall and the sun to shine. And if I put the seed in the ground, I know in the process of time, it's going to come forth. He said, I don't know how it happens. I can't explain it. But in a few days from now, it's going to come up. It's going to spring and grow. And he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade. And then the ear. And after that, the full ear of corn. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, this is when there needs to be haste. Is not, is not before this particular time, but God will tell us and speak to us when we need to get moving on something and when we need to stand up and take advantage of something and realize that it's time to get in gear. It's not time to be in neutral. It's not time to hang back or lag back, but it's time to move and move quickly. He said immediately. He gets his sickle out and he thrust it into the corn and brings home a harvest. There was a lot of waiting. There was a lot of being patient. There was a lot of watering. There was a lot of weeding out. There was a lot of things that had to be done, fighting the pestilence and procuring this plant and making sure that nothing destroyed it, that the elements didn't destroy it. But after it was all said and done, there came a time 
time that he said right now is the time of harvest I'm going to tell you your day's coming when you can put this thing from where you are now into high gear and say God wants me to move and move quickly but you have to understand the timing of God you have to understand that if I have faith in him there's going to be a time for me to move quickly there's going to be a time for me to move amen with haste into the purposes of God for my life. Oh, let's lift up our hands to the Lord and give Him praise. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. James chapter 5 and verse 11, it says, And ye have heard of the patience of Job. Job was a man that had to go through a period of, and, and really the book of Job is that trial. And it seems so elongated. I mean, you get in those long chapters of the book of Job and you're like, whoosh, you're about cross-eyed after you read two or three of those chapters in there. And they're conversating among themselves. And some his friends are blaming him and... and He's he's questioning God at times. Uh, He's wondering what in the world is going on because he knows he's not a sinner, but yet he's being accused of falling into sin and and God's passing judgment on him. All these kind of things are going through his mind. There's a myriad of emotions in the book of Job. But after it's all said and done, after he came through this, He never lost his faith in God. He said, I may not know why this has happened, but I know this. I know my Redeemer lives. I do know that. And I'm going to keep on worshiping. I'm going to keep on praising God. I'm going to keep on singing. I'm going to keep on rejoicing. I'm going to keep on believing for a better day. And the Bible says, and have seen the end of the Lord. It's easy to say, yeah, there it is, Job. There it is, buddy. Hey, Amen. That's an awesome testimony when we know how the book ends. It's easy for us to sit back on the sidelines and say, oh, Job, why did he even question God in the first place? Look at it. He looks like he was teetering there for just a little while in his faith. It looks like he's wondering what's going on there. Why did he say those things that he said? It's easy for us to say that when we know what the end is, when we've read the back of the book. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's the same way with you and I. Sometimes it's hard for us in the middle of it to be able to judge what the end is going to be. But I'm going to tell you, the end is not up to you, and the end is not up to somebody else. And it sure isn't up to the devil. We have to believe God that the end is the Lord's. That God is in control. And God is evidently, amen, going to bring us out some way, somehow. It may blow everybody's mind. But I know God is going to be victorious through it all. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet right now. Lift up your hands and your voice to God. And there's a peace that comes. This is what I believe that is one of the, the definitions for why the Lord tells us in His Word that there is a peace that passeth understanding. Because we can have a peace when storms are, are there and they're present. We can still have a peace. And people be scratching their head and wondering how in the world are they so peaceful and tranquil about this situation 
Because though we cannot see it physically and we cannot feel it physically, we have an understanding that God is true to His Word and we know the end of the Lord. We trust in God that He is in control. Joseph dreamed a dream. I think it was right at somewhere along 22 years before the dream was ever fulfilled in his life. There was pits. There was betrayals. There was rejection. There were dark dungeons. There was times of being forgotten. You read his story. But again, the end is the Lord's. God brought him out. What about David? From the time that he was anointed, Samuel came out to his father's house and called him in from the field and poured that horn of oil out upon him until the time that he walked into the palace as king of Israel or became king of Israel. He didn't have a palace at that time. Before he became and received the crown of Israel, 15 years, 15 years from his anointing to that time. Can you imagine when he's standing there over the sleeping body or some say sleeping, others say other things of Saul and he doesn't even know he's there and he's standing in the shadows with a sword that's drawn and he said, Abishai says, hey, God has provided an opportunity for us to cut some corners here. God has provided an opportunity for us to get ahead here. God has provided an opportunity for you just to do away with this man that obviously doesn't understand the things of God. And he's out of line, he's out of shape, and he's wrong. Why don't you go ahead and take him out? And he said, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointing. I'm going to put it in the hands of God. I'm not going to cut any corners. He repented for even cutting a piece of his garment off. Because if I am truly anointed of God, I don't have to defend that. God will bring me out. The end is the Lord's. If we have faith, we don't have to make haste. We can just trust God. If this, if this, if this word is ministered to anybody here tonight, I, I wonder, before you ever come down the altar, just, just right where you are, raise your hands and begin to walk out out into the aisle and, and with your hands lifted saying, God, give it to you and come to this altar trusting Him and surrendering to Him. That's, that's what we're doing when we raise our hands. We're surrendering. We're saying, God, you're in control. It's all yours. It's not in me. It's not my ability. It's not anything I can do. But I trust, I trust in you. God, my worries, my fears, my concerns, my problems, my challenges, my difficulties, the pressures, the heartaches, the pain. Things that I don't understand, things that I can't seem to get an answer to right now. God, I'm believing and trusting in you. I'm believing and trusting in you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, I don't know who this word is for. 
but I feel it so strong upon my heart. Oh, if you believe God, if you have faith in God, he that believeth shall not make haste. Oh, we got a true foundation. We got a sure cornerstone. We got something that's last and it's been tested and it's valuable. The Bible said that it's precious. Hallelujah. Value. Value where you are. Understand that God's doing something right where I am right now. There's a purpose to all of this. And I'm not going to hasten the process, but God, I'm going to trust you in it. In Jesus' name, cry out to him right now. Cry out to him. As they begin to sing, I want you to cry out to him. I want you to cry out to him. Lift up your voice and cry out to him right now. Jesus, it's in your hands.